1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Today, I want to reminisce a bit about... Um about geopolitics and some conspiracy theories, because, well, I've been uh, listening to Russian propaganda channels again and their opinions about all this war, and I'm um, just off an interview. I was interviewed by, uh, and I think it was uh, the Empire podcast or something like that. I'm sorry, it was just a long talk, and I've forgotten this. When the episode comes out, I'll share definitely where I spoke about the war as well. And that was a prolonged discussion, and uh, I just think that today might be, you know, quite a good day as it's the end of the month, to kind of step back and look at the potential solutions and kind of the big questions that have arisen through this month about the whole war situation and how everything's going to go. And, well, Russian propaganda channels just mess up my brain a bit, so I believe it's quite quite important to deal with all this situation here. <laughs> but uh, first, I want to bring you a bit more from Igor Girkin. He's been ...very active lately... Uh, ...the the show that I was listening to... ...just... ...I was walking around after the interview a bit... ...was one where he also took part... ...but he wasn't the main character there... ...that was also with um, a bunch of... ...well, they call themselves Russian economists... ...although, well... ...although I'm not a financial expert... ...I highly doubt that they're financial experts... ...however... ...I think that you might find this conspiracy theory... ...very interesting... ...spread by Gurgirkin and his buddies... Uh, this was also mentioned on the interview that he just published, but um, he also wrote a, spe- like a specific article about this on on his website. So, that's interesting. As usual, this is translated by com. I have to say, Dimitri is super, super quick about this situation. I'm really happy that he exists, since, well, whenever I read something, I think about the episode that I'm going to make in, well, my evening, because I'm making this at about 10pm in the, in, the, in the night, so... And when I want to make this episode, the things that I've been reading in the morning and I want to include, I always check wartranslated.com. You should too. One thing that I don't include here are the, all the intercepted calls. And um, Fagin and, and um, Aristovich's Ukrainian side kind of hold deliberate thoughts about how the war is going. That's because well, he has a lot of material there. But he does a really good job and he manages to translate everything that is of the interest at the same day it happens. Again, I have to give a special props and thanks to him. But to get back to this whole thing, Igor Girkin posted this on his Telegram. Quote, and you'll find this really fun because I will actually would like to hear you guys to comment on this. Specifically, the American people, and even more so, the American people with um, some experience in the military. Uh, If you would just tweet at me at. Well, as a, as usual, at eastern underscore border, or just send emails to the eastern border at gmail.com. I'll be sure to include them because this is just something that, well, confused me a bit. Quote. <clears throat> a small remark Does everyone remember how just recently the propagandists of all sorts were blowing bubbles from happiness about the fact the USA was running away from Afghanistan with shame? Anyone? How many were laughing and making triumphant cries about cowardly Pindosi? Uh, that's a Russian insult for Americans, by the way. Pindose is because in um, in the nineties, and this is m- my comment here. But pindose is a derogatory term for for Americans used by Russians, which comes from the fact that during the Balkan wars between everyone in the Balkans, the NATO soldiers, which are associated with Americans, because every NATO soldier is an American automatically, according to Russian side, uh, the. Um, the Americans were always wearing their full, you NATO know, soldiers were always wearing their full kind of military kit, and that made them walk a bit strange, like penguins, so somehow this penguin from the Serbs translated pindos, and pindos made its way to Russian, so pindose is by default Americans, like guys who walk like penguins, because they carry their whole thing with them and apparently it was because the guys who were who were um, were nato soldiers and you know peacekeepers and of the of the u.n and these these conflicts they would only get paid their um kind of trauma money or something like that if they were wearing this full uniform it's a bit bizarre but that's uh, that's where the term comes from at any rate at any rate <clears throat> he talked about uh, how many people were laughing at the united states Gidkin continues. I wanted to ask, so how is it? Still happy? I was personally writing and saying back then that while the United States are stuck in Iraq and Afghanistan, we had time and chances to break the damned Ukrainians. Or Ukr, as he called them. I mean, everyone calls Russians orcs. The fanatical Russians call the Ukrainians orcs. So it's Ukrs versus orcs. It's funny like that. Continuing. Instead, we got ourselves into Syria, Libya, equatorial Africa, and so on. We began arming Venezuela and Sudan, urgently throwing insane money to restore the the military naval base in Tartus, and rushing with idiotic projects of building a naval base in the Red Sea. The plywood marshal, Shoigu, personally planned the assault of Tripoli during his meetings with similarly plywood marshal Haftar in Moscow, and communicating with him on board of Kuzia, uh, Admiral Kuznetsov, which has not yet burned, which had not yet burned back then, and so on and so on. But when the USA, it should be noted, very rapidly and almost without material and human losses, while not co- while not caring about anything else, untied their hands. That's when we finally went to war. Even then, to say it roughly, halfway in. And now we openly send into fight T-62 tanks and BMP-1s taken off storage. <laughs> the quartermasters basically have long drunk away the tents prescribed via regulations while the generals in the Mil- Ministry of Defense wrote off the money for the new ones and put it in their pockets while driving around their much much more modern tanks and BMPs are various assets guards in Syria and other Libyan scum therefore it's worth thinking about the question was the urgent withdrawal of the bulk of the United States ground and air forces from Afghanistan's, Afghanistan a link in the chain of the world war planned by them uh, I, I can't. I have to make these uh, ridiculous conspiracy accusations with a, with a bit of a sarcastic twist. You know me already. And uh, continuing from Gitkin. and have we not played along with them in all the respects in the implementation of this plan? Personally, for me, as someone who over for who over fifteen years served in special services, such coincidences appear extremely suspicious. And I would really like to question someone about this the brutal way. And that's Igor Gherkin. Now, I know it's a bit silly, but uh, I I would seriously enjoy someone with ties to the United States military explaining this to me because this just seems very stupid. Uh, Even even from people that I, I listen to regularly, I haven't heard anything, even remotely tying anything to this. I mean, withdrawal from Afghanistan... Was that he kind of both protested and supported, but again, I don't know much about United States politics. However, I just want some of you guys to give some comments on the weirdness that Gherkin spurts out all the time. Secondly, about the potential geopolitical situation. Well, all the pro Russian, pro war side are just spewing, well, first of all, they're completely ignoring the missile strike in the mall, which ...is of no surprise to me. This, uh, These were the news that I was following all day long. Just as they ignored Boche, just as they ignored the massacres... ...it's just another proof that uh, the Russian side completely disregards civilian casualties... ...and, well, isn't there to make any friends. However, one important comment is that they're truly celebrating as a major victory... ...the fact that Lyshansk has been abandoned by Ukrainian forces... Which was achieved, apparently, according to the Russian strategists, by the fact that out of morality, out of out of morale, out of resources, on the last leg, the Donetsk militias got a lucky break. And they pushed in this one direction, and some local, actually intelligent Russian commander threw in some Russian armored units, which managed to break through the Ukrainian line, and thus Ukrainians had to retreat. So, this is celebrated as a victory, although they uh, themselves claim that the fact that they've only kind of, as they say, well, liberated, but we all know what that means, uh, that they only got this one uh, small po- smaller outpost, that uh, they only got this town of Lishansk, that uh, that's some sort of a major victory. And again, they're preparing that Ukrainians are going to counterattack somewhere to improve their morale. Interestingly enough, recently I saw on Twitter that... um. An F-35 plane were, were, was making scout moves. And um, one of the potential kind of spheres of influence where Ukrainians could attack would be this famous Snake Island where Russian warship go F yourself or who am I go fuck yourself? We're not polite on this show. Uh, that that might be one of the areas because if Ukraine captures recaptures that island, then they can implement their... Uh, their anti-ship defenses and anti-air defenses there, which means that the Port of Odessa, great city by the way, can't wait to go back. Uh, that this might free that, and if they do so, then that would improve Ukrainian economy. They would be a bit less reliant on on foreign aid, and also that could alleviate the upcoming food crisis. I won't shut up about food crisis, by the way, since that's a, that's a major threat in my eyes. At any rate, a lot of of these specialists predict that this Snake Island is kind of the next area where major events are going to happen.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which...
1: secondly another thing is the of course always ever mentioned default status of russia a lot of people have asked me to comment on this and how is that how is this going to impact russian economy and at this point well in a normal situation that would be a major crisis that would cause major companies to leave that would cause russian bonds to be like not purchased russian stock to plummet that would cause a major economical crisis but at this point it's just nothing because every everything that could go wrong with russian economy at this point has already gone wrong and it was to such a point that this technical default because it's a technical default since russia on paper has the money to pay it's just that no one wants to take their blood money and you know send it uh, to and, and have any dealings with it so they so they're kind of barred from paying in Euros and dollars to the bonds that they're ought to pay in Euros and dollars, which now means that all the all the people who are owed money to them can kind of redeem their, their debts. But not much is gonna change economically. I mean, everything a default can do, the sanctions and the whole war that they initiated is has already done. I mean I heard a nice little comparison there in one of the Russian channels that I listened to is the fact that you can compare the the default state to HIV. And HIV is a terrible disease. If not treated, it can lead to AIDS, and we have good medicine for it, and, and you can come overcome it, and it's a serious uh, health issue, right? However, if you have a fourth, um, like... <laughs> fourth degree cancer with metastasis and you have like about a month to live and you have uh, liver damage and all of your arms are broken, then, you know, HIV just doesn't matter that much. That's the attitude towards the economy. Because, like I said, everything that could ha- could go wrong already did. And the thing is that as default state requires someone to officially announce it. And I think it happened at the end with uh, the agency Moody's, who on the late 27th, announced that Russia has finally defaulted on their foreign debt. But it was also a weird situation, since all the rating agencies of the West have left Russia, so it was so unimportant and so insignificant, given the current situation, that Moody's just did it because no one else would. They had to just put it on paper. And there were some interesting comments on this situation, because, you know, Russia had already basically stolen a bunch of planes worth like billions of dollars about 10 to 10 to 12 billions of dollars worth of planes and and i still have some questions about where are you know because a bunch of russia's ashes assets have been frozen so where are the court cases where the owners of these planes demand recompensation for their stolen property maybe they were waiting for this default i certainly hope so but uh still seems kind of weird maybe they're they were waiting for a quick resolution. It also seems strange that of uh, uh, these companies who lease planes to Russian companies, whose property has now been basically stolen and taken by the Russian government, that they just don't do anything. It seems kind of a bit bizarre. And at the same time, in in Russia, Russian government has always stated that they have a surplus budget. and And that also gives a lot of people kind of questioning, leaves a lot of people questioning, since... Well if if Russia always have has had a surplus budget if they had never fallen into deficit like and if they always have like this massive income from oil and gas all the time and they have these massive reserves that they have built over time instead of investing into pro, in, into their own state businesses then why why is Russia even owing this debt to anyone because they don't need the money why would you just borrow money if you have it like that makes no sense and, of course, this is an explanation by by uh, some economists that I follow very closely uh, on this whole situation. And it can only be explained that Russia's surplus budget only exists on paper, because in reality, you know, the money from the funds is long gone into someone's pockets, and it's just a way how to hide corruption while still paying all the salaries and expanding their military. I mean, they literally, if you look at the, the data, if you Google that one up, They seriously have a prophesied budget, Budget. they have budget surplus every year. That's that's weird. Another thing that I found interesting is that um, in the geopolitical sense, we had the G7 summit, which I also kind of followed, and one thing that happened was that all Russia's gold uh, accounts, well, they weren't frozen, but Russia is now prohibited from using gold and making any deals with gold anywhere although that applies mostly to the Western nations. And a major importer of gold is both China and India, and India is already buying a ton of Russian oil. Of course, they'll get it with a huge discount, because another interesting fact, currently Russia sells their oil to India for their reserves and, well, everyday needs, with a larger discount than the the, the Soviet Union ever sold them, and Soviet Union was always under sanctions because of their Afghanistan war. Right now... Right now, the Russia sells the oil, kind of per barrel, on the brand of Brent. Now, I don't know much about the oil markets, and specifically oil's futures markets. However, I know that Brent is always like one level of quality below the standard oil that you guys in the States or in the West use. So Brent is like one step of quality below that, and that's the Russian oil. Because it's hard to get, and there's a lot of issues with that and apparently if you look at the market price of the oil, of oil that Russia is selling then they sell it to India and China with about 50% discount same with gas and the same is going to happen with gold because apparently they see China and Indian markets as one of their like as their solutions to this issue since China and India import about 5 times the amount of gold that Russia produces And Russia isn't that much of a gold producer. I mean, they do produce it globally, on large scale. They're like in the third place. But the difference between the first and second and third places is like quite quite large. So that also might be an interesting thing to look out for. Another big issue, of course, is how this is all going to go. Again, I have to reiterate from the episode I released yesterday about the very direct tactical news because this time we're looking at the bigger picture and the economical sanctions, the fact that um, Ukraine needs heavy weaponry. I do believe that heavy weaponry might help Ukraine to do a counterattack, and that might actually shift the war a bit. Because again, Lavrov today already basically answered because Ukrainians were ready to discuss some talks again or something, and Lavrov, basically paraphrasing him, stated that Well, Russia is no longer, you know, no longer accepts the pre-24th of February peace borders and peace treaties and everything like that. And if Zelensky's government continues to resist, then uh, Ukraine might lose even more. It's the traditional case of, how dare you resist our invasion? And I mean, makes no sense. At this point, Ukrainians have successfully withdrawn, they've uh, sadly achieved a tactical loss because again the ukrainian side complains and sadly i can't uh, kind of verify these things cuz i have more contacts on the russian side people who are just you know interested in um, getting a quick bribe for information rather than um, rather than accurate accurate information about the western partners but i was i was um, kind of yelled at angrily about this on twitter but a lot of people in ukraine feel that the help they're they're promised help, but they're not receiving it quickly enough, or that help comes, but not much is you know actively done, and and they kind of they kind of feel that the West promises a lot on paper, but then under delivers or doesn't deliver quickly enough because you know this is wartime, this isn't our typical situation, and the helps needed urgently. So the situation is quite weird. Of course, there might be a case where Ukrainians are kind of overplaying their own losses. However, nothing's for certain. If more heavy weaponry would arrive in Ukraine, they would they would be on the kind of front foot once again. They would push back, and I hope that happens soon enough. Anyway, this was the today's news just about geopolitics, and I'll continue listening to my crazy Ukrainian slash well Ukrainian trader to be more specific, and and Russian geopolitical. 3 hour mega stream conference about the fourth four months of this war which makes my head explode i will b- record a longer episode about that tomorrow and send it to Annette, since well you know time to give something truly recorded and, and and properly done as well because otherwise my brain hurts but uh i guess that's it for today oh except one thing one last thing though um these guys one of the funniest things that they did was they were complaining about the complacency of the Russian society and how everyone's too poor to donate. I mean, they, uh, they they were complaining that a trader of Russia, one of the editors of Novaya Gazeta, sold his Nobel Prize and then donated the money to Ukraine. And apparently the person who bought this prize was um, none other than Abramovich, the ex-owner of Chelsea. Yes, the Chelsea Football Club. And... None of them had, like, gotten punished and they were super agitated about this. And they were very angry at Lithuanians since they were stunned that the Lithuanians had just organized a um, kind of a massive, massive fundraising thing to buy Bayraktars, which we advertised too, by the way. And and it worked. And they were like, why aren't our society, why aren't we donating this to our troops? Because let me tell you, all these people who are pro-war, they view it as an existential crisis and this is the one thing where I agree with them is that either Ukraine gets crushed and destroyed and western values get a massive blow in the back or Russia gets destroyed and because I I really don't see a permanent possibility where both sides somehow end this conflict I sadly don't and also I just I have a very gloom view about this decade in general I think uh, until 2030 we're we're looking at Looking at major catastrophes and uprisings and everything terrible, but we're just gonna figure—we're just gonna have to figure out how to build a better world. And I'll be probably a bit older by the end of this decade. I'm turning thirty-three now, and I hope that, well, somehow we can all make it through. But yeah, apparently, Russian pro-war people are very angry Lithuanians. What can I say? Good job, Lithuanians. Oh yeah, and once again, let me remind you that about the whole conspiracy theory about how USA had planned all this, of course, while withdrawing from Afghanistan. like to hear your comments. Please email them to me to theeasternborder at gmail.com or on Twitter or just, you know, whatever. You can find me even on Facebook or, or on Telegram or something. And of course, happiness is mandatory. Blessed with And if you want to become my patron, please patreon.com slash theeasternborder or... Click the button on Twitter or on our home or on our homepage, where you can listen to all the episodes without ads. And I'm gonna be stopping saying this at the end of every episode because it annoys me to know and I should probably pre-record this or something. I don't know. You know me, and uh, I'll be doing my best. Recording a long, longer episode tomorrow and a bit of a smaller one if something interesting happens. Džudani, itvarish.
0: Planning for your next trip?